Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. So, what are we talking about this week? Well, first, what was up with that music? Oh, yeah, the, the, the music. That, that was nice, right? Soothing, relaxing. Um, you, you, you know, you said we were talking about metaphysics this week, so I thought oh, no. something that's, that's nice with crystals. No. Mm-mm. Not that kind of metaphysics? No. Well, then I don't understand. What, what, <laughs> what, what, what other sort of metaphysics is there? Well, we'll be talking about metaphysics a little bit and also some other topics, but I thought we'd, we'd chat about some of the topics that have been coming up in my superheroes class. We've interacted with some folks at Comic-Con and so forth that have mentioned that they'd like to, they would have liked to have taken this course, so I thought we'll give them the highlights. Yeah, seems like a great course, like it's going well and it's provided us a ton of stuff mm-hmm. all, all season. Yeah. So... Um, are we talking about Jordan Peele this week? No. Nope. Oh, nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I screwed up that, that joke. <laughs> no one will ever know unless I forget to edit this out. Um, yeah, so we talked about that before, but I, I think we've got a, a change of plans, right? Um, we're going to do Jordan Peele next year at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also do Thanksgiving? A, oh, for the love of Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Next Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving 2024. Um, early in the season when the spooky stuff happens. Um, we'll, we'll do an episode on Jordan Peele and then we want to accompany it, it with an episode on uh, Mike Flanagan and his stuff. Right. Yeah. So one of them's making great films. One of them's made some pretty good films, but is doing really amazing um, miniseries. Um, yeah. Two Masters of Modern Horror. Okay. So um Sit tight on that. Yeah, don't hold your breath. That it, it's coming. So, um, superheroes. Yeah. So, uh, one of the first topics that came up in the course was pretty interesting. It was the general question of what makes someone a superhero. There is a paradox associated with this, because on the one hand, what we ordinarily take to be a hero is someone who puts themselves at great risk to do what's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, you know, you might think someone who runs into a burning building in order to to save a child inside is a hero because they put themselves at risk of dying in the fire in order to save the child. And and we think of superheroes as paradigm cases of heroes. And yet, because they have superpowers, they're at considerably, they put themselves at considerably less risk. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, consider Superman, right? Right, In, In most ordinary context with Superman, he's not at any risk at all. Right, yeah. So I'm thinking of like the the first Superman movie in the the seventies, um, you know, when he when he first sort of appears on the scene as Superman, he's come to, um, you know, Metropolis, um, you know, from Smallville and so forth, 
Uh, and he's just flying around doing good deeds, right? So mm -hmm. someone's getting mugged, and he goes in there and he, you know, grabs the mugger and throws him to a cop, mm -hmm. and then somebody else's cat's in a tree, and he flies up in the tree and gets the cat down. Mm -hmm. So he's doing all these sort of characteristically heroic things, mm -hmm. but he's Superman. This is this is literally no skin off his right. teeth to, right. to, to, to do those kinds of things. Right, and especially... Until Zod gets there, but that's later. <laughs> Well, then there's, oh, right, there's all the issues posed by, like, kryptonite and the kinds of things that make superheroes vulnerable. And in those circumstances, sure, you know, mm -hmm. th then maybe they're engaging in heroism of the type that we ordinarily think of humans engaging in. But mm -hmm. otherwise, you might just think that they're doing what they're morally obligated to do, given how many powers they have. Right, with, with no risk whatsoever, yeah. right? So, yeah, nothing turns out to be super erogatory because um, it just doesn't involve any going above and beyond it's like well if yeah. you're that powerful yeah. but yeah oh, interesting yeah so and then it's also come up in the class and we've talked about this before many times because I'm, I'm always beating the retributive justice drum or the anti-retributive justice drum i guess but you know um in the cases you just described superhero superman's sweeping into um or swooping in to mm -hmm. to you know, ca capture the bad guys and the bad guys might be bank robbers or something. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm just thinking about the image of, um, you know, Batman using his gadgets to wrap up, uh, you know, criminals, street, just the average street criminal. Mm -hmm. And it's really like, well, the henchmen you know, of, of the supervillains, right? Mm -hmm. But not the supervillains themselves. Right. Like this isn't proportional justice and it isn't, there's no due process involved. Like we, we love a vengeance story human beings tend to love a vengeance story, but when you really get down to it and think about what these superheroes are doing, like that's not good. Mm -hmm. Like what we would actually want to happen is to have um, these folks, you know, um, have a trial, you know? And, and we, we tend to not think, now some people think differently about this, I guess, but we tend to not think that the cops can beat the crap out of the bad guys. Yeah. So why should we think that the that, superheroes can? That they can? ought to. Right, we, right. we know darn well that they can. Or and if, the good if what guys. can means it's possible for them to, and actually they do sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you started dissing the superheroes about six minutes into this episode. So superhero to super zero. In, <laughs> oh, great. Nice. Under six minutes. <laughs> I'm impressed. Well, I guess that the... the kind of takes that tone but it's because we're really critically analyzing exactly you know what it is that we're suspending or you know when we when we enjoy these narratives because i think we all do and all this all this discussion is just meant to be in good fun so a, another conversation that we have um a, a lot in the course is the question of what it would be to save the world mm -hmm. because these superheroes are often portrayed as saving the world over and over again but there are a number of problems with that. So, um, first of all, to save the world, one ought to save, you know, what it might mean to save the world is to solve the major problems of the world. Right, right. You know, but instead... Or if the, if the entire world's going to perish to prevent that. Right. right. I guess that tends to be more the case with these superhero things. and it, They're very Manichaean stories. They're very much like presented as here is a good force here is an evil force and the superheroes battle the evil force instead of taking a more realistic view of way the, the way the world is is like it's chaotic a lot of it is 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 just really unfortunate and as the result of chance or not exactly as the result of like you know lex luther 
I don't know, or the Joker releasing some poison gas on the city, but rather um, bad actors being greedy, mm -hmm. right? Like that tends to cause more of the world's problems. Um, and yet, uh, the, I guess the ones we find entertaining are the ones where there's a bad guy, you know, so, but, but you know, what it really might take to save the world is stop climate change mm -hmm. or, um, uh, treat and prevent treatable and preventable diseases, provide people with access to clean drinking water, right. you know, these kinds of things. Bring about some version of capitalism where, where the people that do all the work um, earn a living wage. Right, yeah. right. Right. That, that's just crazy, though. That's, <laughs> now we're into, like, fantasy land. <laughs> I know. That, it's really fictional. <laughs> yeah. So I can I can get my mind around some guy that's you know, sort of dumpy and, and um, waddles like a penguin and, and talks how we think penguins would sound if they were human. <laughs> uh, but this, like, reasonable capitalism. Right. Um, I don't know. It's, it's lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And another theme that comes up that maybe is the, the origin of why we conceive of saving the world in this particular way is that is the moral panic surrounding comics in the 1950s and mm -hmm. 60s. Um, this idea that horror comics and um, crime comics were contributing to juvenile delinquency. And so as a result, there was this comic review board that was created that told comic book artists, they, like basically set some standards for the range of things they could pursue in their work. Yeah, I think people don't have a sense of just how popular comic books were. I mean, um, at the time they were selling, you know, considerably more copies per week than they ever had. Um, mm -hmm. And this particular moral panic brought, you know, um, the president or CEO of DC ended up resigning. Comic mm -hmm. book sales plummeted to about 10% of what they were and never recovered, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that, that filled the void was television and then movies and superhero movies. And, you mm -hmm. know, and, and they've always kind of been there and they've always kind of been cool. Um, but there was a time where they were, you know, literally selling millions of comic books a mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. um, and this particular panic just ended it completely. And it was just one in a wave of these kinds of panics that we seem particularly susceptible to as a species that like, you know, um, it's comic books. No, it's video games. No, it's social media that whatever the younger generation is enjoying, that's the thing that's bound to bring about doom to our civilization. Mm -hmm. Our young people are bound to be, you know, permanently compromised or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the exact um, same mindset that got us McCarthyism, mm -hmm, that, you know, mm -hmm. people were paranoid back then. Kind of reminds me of now. <laughs> I just, I wonder if it's just an enduring trait of our species, just mm -hmm. always going to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Well, a good panic will get people in line. They'll get people to vote the way you want them to vote. So in this particular case, the 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 moral panic led to uh, a, a superhero, to, to a kind of regulatory um, policy that said that the, the, the comic book always has to end with the superhero vanquishing the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And sh I'm sure that portraying the bad guy as a major corporation or as, you know, if the polluting West or, you know, is, is, would not have been popular with the folk, the very folks who wanted it regulated. Right. So, so, uh, so we're not going to get a more, 
social justice heavy kind of idea of what it is to save the world. We're going to get a, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A socially accepted social deviant. Yeah. And it's now, you know, it's now uh, changed a lot. There, there's lots of comic books that are much more morally ambiguous and, and Stan Lee um, in describing the, you know, the moral panic and how that affected comics, um, described how you know eventually like you can't in a way you can't just do that forever right and of course obviously i'm paraphrasing this but you you can you can write comic books that where the good vanquishes evil but if you want to write any sort of different storyline there has to be more psychological and moral complexity or it just gets boring mm-hmm. yeah I and mean, that was sort of the beauty of um a civil war right so all, all the good guys were at odds with mm-hmm. each other and mm-hmm. so it was, it was sort of very unclear who to root for. Um, I was rooting for everybody as mm-hmm. I watched that. Sure. And in, uh, we, in, in recent years, we've seen, you know, all sorts of these, these stories. Well, the, the whole Marvel arc, um, the first arc and then now this next bit, all explores really mo- like um, morally challenging questions. Like, and we've talked about this in the past, but how um, mental illness factors into how we should judge villains and, and so forth and what should be done with, with villains. Like, um, so, so, um, Spider-Man No Way Home explored that. And of course, Thanos was an interesting villain or, or, um, the villain from Black Panther. Mm-hmm. It right, was, I mean, I think a lot of these, these bad guys, if you were just wearing a different set of glasses, you know, you were just seeing things from their side would have been the good guys. Right, yeah. I mean, you, you certainly could have told the story from Thanos' perspective, mm-hmm. right, where mm-hmm. things are out of control environmentally and mm-hmm. overpopulation, and I'll just fix that. And, yeah. You know, if you survive, yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful world, right, yeah. uh, or a beautiful universe. Yeah. So back to your original question, um, what is it that makes something a superhero? So, mm-hmm. yeah, but superpowers that do the trick, right? But that's, that's not necessary. For example, Batman doesn't have any... Mm-hmm. Superpowers. He's just, mm-hmm. you know, pretty smart, but not that smart. He's got the bat computer, mm-hmm. right? Um, that does all the, the serious things. Although I think we're it's just stipulated that both Iron Man and Batman are geniuses. Yeah. So, but it, but is that it? So, like, you know, Popeye Doyle from the French Connection, um, mm-hmm. is a really good cop, right? But mm-hmm. you don't think he's a superhero? I mean, he's he's you know mm-hmm. morally ambiguous anyway. But um, you know, take Dirty Harry, you know, the Clint Eastwood character. Um, He's really good at, at getting the bad guys, mm-hmm. um, cut some corners. That's why he's dirty, hairy, and so forth. Um, but then, so does Batman, you know, for for that matter. Mm-hmm. But he's not a superhero. Mm-hmm. So is it is it just having a costume and, and, a, and a name? I mean, is is there any anything that sort of counts as the mark of a superhero? So again, it if you have superpowers and you act for good, that's a sufficient condition. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that'll make you a superhero. Um, if, if you got magic going for you, um, even better. I think it's sort of a disjunctive, or at least this is how Tom Morris talks about it, that like either you have enough wealth that it elevates you to the point, to the level of having a superpower, um, or because you, that really is a superpower. I, it, you know, I mean, you, that's, that, that's so, that can so effectively change things that it's, I think it's worth thinking of as a superpower. So either I mean, you have I, the my wealth. My powers are diminishing in that respect. Like a year ago, I could have gone to the supermarket 
and bought a week's worth of groceries for you know $150. <laughs> um, but but now it, it takes like three times that. Through your no fault of your own, but because of inflation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because wealth. I mean, you know, if I think about the amount of wealth that I have now, if you, if you plug me into the 1870s. Mm-hmm. I'm the eighth wealthiest person yeah. on the planet, right? right? So it's it's all relative. To... I, well, I think superpowers are always relative. I, I mean, think about like super Superman's powers are relative to the planet he's on. Right. He would just be a normal dude on on Krypton. Yeah, yeah kind yeah. of. A, he was a whiny little baby. No. <laughs> I remember when they when they shoved him in the pod. He was Marlon Brando. Because he was literally a baby. Yeah, okay. but, but still, okay. you, you know, he was no great shakes. Right? <laughs> I mean, there were people on his planet that were better at stuff than he at was. At that stage, yes. You know, he, he couldn't even meet, you know, couldn't even beat kids at, you know, checkers and stuff. So Fair. But, you know, you'd, you'd bring him down here. And even as a baby, you know, he could bend a car in half. <laughs> Um, okay, so what's the, so, the so disjunction The disjunction is, is like either great wealth, great power, and then... The proposal is being a moral exemplar. Mm-hmm. So is that is not nece- that's sort of the way around that paradox that I originally introduced is that it's not necessarily going to take you know um, taking on great risk, but being a you know someone people can look up to and admire and yeah, boy, that's really tricky though. So we we talk about moral exemplars and, and we have all these ideas, but you gave this example about you know the person that go in. And, um, you know, save the baby in the, the mm-hmm. burning building. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that seems to be a moral exemplar on, you know, at least one main conception mm-hmm. of what it means to be a moral exemplar, right? A deontological approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're an act utilitarian superhero and, you know, there's a baby in there burning, you're not a rule utilitarian. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and you don't have the, the kind of superpowers that, um, allow you to see into the future. You're not omniscient and that kind of thing. You got to be there thinking. All right, what do I know about that baby? Real is quick. it baby Hitler? Yeah, is it little baby Hitler? Is it little <laughs> baby Jeffrey Dahmer? Um, is it little baby Jeff Bezos? Right? Um, or is it you know somebody somebody virtuous? Is it? Um, it's Gandhi. Yeah, I was going to go into the superhero world. You know, Robin. Robin seems to be like a good dude. <laughs> you know, head of the Teen Titans. Is it little next Robin? Um, yeah, so, but, yeah, I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm dubious of the idea of um, a moral exemplar um, as distinct from commitment to some particular moral theory or another. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, um, my take is, you know, this is kind of knee-jerk, um, probably most of the superheroes are kind of consequentialists. They, they go about things, right? They don't mm-hmm. do whatever it takes. To, to get results. In the course, we talked about, you know, we did a section on ethics and talked about the distinction between deontology and consequentialism. So just very, very roughly, you know, doing your duty, having your intention be to do your duty is important for the deontologist. Mm-hmm. Maximizing good consequences is, is um, what's important to the consequentialist. And so we kind of talked about the the battle between Captain America and Tony Stark in Civil War as being a deontology yeah, versus yeah. consequentialism battle. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I think, I, so I maybe agree with what you're saying, um, but I also think that, um, like, I, uh, Captain America is a glaring example of someone who seems duty-bound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, much so that you ought not ever to swear around him. You have duty not to swear. Right, right. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, at least at the the level of rhetoric, right? But then sometimes when you're you're in the battles, they'll do whatever it takes to to win. They'll pick up somebody else's car and you know throw it at Doc Ock or you yeah. know something like that yeah. to yeah, to yeah. fight back. And then you're just kind of thinking like, if I'm a good content, I think. Would I want somebody picking up my car and throwing it at um, a supervillain? You know, that leads into another topic that we talked about in the class, which is just war theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, you know, we're to kind of do a general overview of just war theory in, in the uh, in the class. But but thinking particularly about, um, you know, for many people, you know, so obviously there there are realists about war who think, oh, you know, all's fair in love and war. That it, when you get in war, all all bets are off. And then, of course, on the other far side, there are pacifists that think we ought never to to um, respond to things with violence. Like violence isn't the answer to to the world's problems. But then in this intermediary group, there are folks that say um, we can get involved in war. But there needs to be it. There it needs to be for the right reasons, and the right reasons are always self-defense for mm-hmm. these folks. And um, and and then then you know, so we have to have the right sorts of intentions, and uh, we need to have the right sort of authority, and we need to exercise proportional force, or else we can't get involved at all. And you wonder whether the superheroes meet those conditions. They're often unilaterally fighting wars. So at the age of uh, at the end of Age of Ultron, they create this huge hole uh, in in another country, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. and then, and and kill civilians. Um, and and one of the questions that you know is the as a result of this that that uh, starts the whole battle really in civil war is like um, whether the superheroes have the authority to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? So we tend to think of something like, at least in the United States, that um, war has to happen at the consent of the governed, at least in the form of represent, uh, representative democracy. So we elected the Congress that's going to declare war. So, mm-hmm. so in some sense, the people have consented to it or something. Um, but the superheroes just swoop in there and fight wars unilaterally, often in the name of some country. Mm-hmm. You know, or se- seemingly. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, a, a chunk of the world, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you've got to save North America from this missile Sh- attack. I'm thinking sure? like, um, I can't remember if it was Superman 2 or 3, the, the movie, right, where there were um, terrorists were going to, you know, uh, detonate nuclear bombs in Europe and send them to mm-hmm. the United States. And so, but, but they were going to get all over North America. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, right. But they're usually, you know, I think there's some there's a little bit of nationalism that works its way into to these superhero stories a lot because they're often headquartered in the United States. Right. Right. I mean, it's and 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 then there's there's a whole lot of uh, frankly like a lot of propaganda that makes use of superheroes that you know as those moral exemplars that almost resemble Uncle Sam signs. That, mm-hmm. Like, right. Yeah. You know, Captain in particular. Yeah. But, but lots of them. Right. Yeah, right. And it, and when it's, you know, not necessarily um, just the United States, it's promoting the interests of various groups or other countries or other worlds, in the case mm-hmm. of Guardians, um, mm-hmm. based on their having the same values that we have sure, here. Sure, sure, sure. In precisely sure. the United States. Sure. I think, uh, well, I think Black Panther is a really good counter to that. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, when we uh, and 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 that came up when we talked. We did an environmental ethics unit of the course where we talked about um, you know Wakanda being. Um, you know, keeping its resources local and sustainable, mm -hmm. right? And and um, oh, nice! Not yeah, that's a great angle. Yeah, not engaging in in this kind of free for all capitalism that the rest of us are engaging in. Um, and so, there, yeah, right. There's an example of, the, of two distinct values within that. But this week, we're talking about um, personal identity, which we've talked about before on the podcast more than once. But we're asking questions like. Um, is Bruce Banner, are Bruce Banner and the Hulk the same person? And if you want to say that they're the same person, what what is the feature in virtue of which they're the same person? So, uh, you know, the, 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 the questions are amplified in these particular cases because you get entities that completely change form. And there are lots of these folks. You know, we're, we're asking this too with Green Goblin because in addition to completely changing form, um, you also have this, the, you know, mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we just say like Bruce Banner um, and the Hulk is different in some essential way um, from say like a Transformer, which is just this thing that can kind of rearrange itself, and sometimes it's a dude, and sometimes it's a a car or a truck or. A, I'm not qualified to speak about Transformers. I mean, I, I think I think because I don't know enough about the 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 basic. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that, that there, there's no question about identity. It's it's basically this thing that, that can um, move its parts around. It. So Except it's like, for that they're sentient. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so if I mean, to me, if they shift from being sentient to being non-sentient, that's going to be an issue for personal identity. Yeah, no, I thought they were always sentient. So, I'm, so, so I'm, maybe they're always sentient. Yeah, so I'm just imagining, you know, that the, the thing shuffles its parts to look like a truck. Um in the way that I might shuffle my parts to be sitting, um, you know, what the kids call crisscross applesauce, mm -hmm. as opposed to, sure. you know, legs extended out. Sure. But there's something seemingly different about um, Bruce Banner and the Hulk, right? This that, guy who turns green and gets huge, uh -huh. you know. And, and the, the, the entire personality is, is very yeah, different. Yeah, there's no psychological continuity. So some people want to postulate like the existence. Of, they want to say something like um, the thing that makes a person through the same person through time is is sameness of body, which is obviously not going to um, qual qualify. That's not going to be um, obtained here. And, or um, the person, the thing that makes a person the same person through time is psychological continuity. And which is not going to obtain here. Even memory, I think, is a problem for like mm -hmm. if people who say the, the the feature that makes a person the same person through through change and through time is that they have a a, a memory caused in the right way by events that happened before. Yeah. I mean, I, if I remember correctly, um, in um, in one of the Thor movies, you know, you've got Hulk um, and Hulk. And Bruce Banner's been Hulk, if you really, if you want to put it that way, that's sort yeah. of begging the question. But he's been Hulk for a really long time, mm -hmm. and Hulk doesn't seem to know that or right, remember. Right. And that's the only reason, like the you know Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome fight scenario, uh -huh. they bring him out to the cage and yeah, yeah, and he's, he's some it's completely like an different thing. I mean, in a lot of ways, he even seems different from earlier iterations of Hulk. Right, right, yeah. So you know, similar to like. Um, you know, going back to Moon Knight, which we talked about the first episode this season, right? So the the, the different iterations of Moon Knight, right? This involves somebody with um, dissociative identity disorder, 
each of the, the characters seemed to have different sets of memories. Mm-hmm. One character at some point right. was able to tell the other one a little bit about their past. Right. right. So if you take some narrative view of personal identity, or that you might think, think that you know personal identity is sort of an illusion, except for that we craft these narratives for ourselves. Um, I mean, even then, right? They've got two completely distinct narratives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, though, um, maybe that you can tell the story about the the physical continuity. Um, so I'm trying to think of you know, something sort of analogous. Um, you know, so suppose I'm I'm somebody who you know occasionally gets a boil or something on my nose, right? And mm-hmm. this thing just sort of pops up as a big giant thing and then it, it you know sometimes kind of deflates down to just a little red dot mm-hmm. um and but we would still say that's me i'm not undergoing mm-hmm. this sort of mm-hmm. great physical mm-hmm. change um but or maybe people gain and lose weight or yeah people, you know yeah maybe bruce banner is, is someone that just sort of rapidly can alter form it's for the physical um yeah. account not the psychological continuity what, account you wonder like i mean i guess there is it's and they're going to be more hardcore fans out there that are going to know the exact mechanism of this, I'm guessing. But like there's some like latent potentiality or something like, Mm -hmm. where's the green part all this time? And like, where, you know, I mean, yeah, that's a possibility that could save the, of course there are all sorts of problems with the body account anyway, just like we're shedding ourselves constantly. So it's different stuff. Yeah. Right. You know, and there's those chameleons and stuff that can change color on a dime. So he has some of that going, right? Okay. The, the okay. ones that get on leaves and then they're green and they jump fair. down to the twigs. And then sure. they, they appear like twigs. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's, I don't know, he's like one part alphaba or something. From, <laughs> from Wicked, just... Caused by radiation though. Caused yes. by radiation. Yeah, it's, it's always radiation back then, right? That was the, when all mm-hmm. these comics were being um, created and everybody was afraid of atomic bombs. Uh, we were ducking and covering under our desks <laughs> and so forth. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting um, question. But you know, they they to make the physical account work, you'd say, okay, well, this is the person that at you know time T one appeared, you know, such and such a way as as Ed Norton, and time T two <laughs> was Lou Ferrigno, and then at time T three was um, I guess it's the um, same what? same person playing the Hulk and. And the new ones now. Um, and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Um, they're not jumping back and forth, but you know, mm-hmm. but big green Mark Ruffalo, and then, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. you know, um, not so green Mark mm-hmm. Ruffalo, regular Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo from Zodiac. <laughs> so that so that might that that might save the whole you know the personal identity if you think the body view is plausible, um, mm-hmm. but it. You know, if you think you need some sort of psychological continuity or memory, but then it seems like there's some. So the question is, what's what's sufficient? You know, like um, one of the tropes in 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 the later versions is, um, you know, or the later the later movies is uh, Scarlet Witch being able to say certain sorts of things to Hulk. You know, she has something. Come on, big guy, or whatever. Uh-huh. She can calm him down. And then Thor tries to do the same thing later. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so th- that seems to shake him back into co- to his previous form as if there is something latent in there, you know. So something maybe something like... So my students, you know, when we were talking about this, we also talked about the soul view of identity. So, you know, something that could be true about this universe is this thing that makes... Um, 
it makes the Hulk and uh, Bruce Banner the same person as they have the same soul and the soul sort of, oh, mm -hmm. you know, recognizing, whatever. Yeah. So sort of related to that, it's kind of an interesting question. Um, is Hulk a superhero? Sure. Seemingly, right? Uh, most of the time when mm -hmm. he's not, you know, evil, imprisoned, psychologically messed up guy. Um, but it's not obvious that Bruce Banner is a superhero. Oh, see, I would immediately go the other way around. You think Bruce Banner is the superhero, but not, not Hulk? Well, actually, I, I think that's pretty, you know, because I think that's pretty ch challenging in itself. Because what gives rise to the Hulk is the most destructive human emotion, which is anger. So if we think that there's anything to, and you've raised some challenges for this, but if we think there's anything to the idea that that superheroes are moral exemplars, then the guy that arises out of Bruce Banner's, you know, anger management issues is presumably not a moral exemplar. Yeah, I mean, that, so that, that sounds right, which just makes me a little dubious of the moral exemplar thing. Sure. Uh, but, um, you know, in the event that Hulk turns out to be one of those things that you know, we ought to want to call a superhero. Um, but it seems like Bruce Banner is not. So if you, if you do Superman, Clark Kent, um, Clark Kent's a superhero too. He just isn't in his Superman costume. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's plenty of examples of Clark Kent going, well, don't have time to change now. Mm -hmm. So he just does it himself as Clark Kent. Mm -hmm. um, Bruce Wayne's always Batman. So you would just kind of have to concede then that, that the Hulk and Bruce Banner are not the same person and one of them is a superhero and one of them isn't. So well, it's that, not that's, like... that's what I'm wondering. So this is... In other words, the Batman-Superman cases aren't complicated. That You just have superhero the whole time. But it's not obvious to me that, that um, Bruce Banner is a superhero. It's not obvious to me that the Hulk is for the reasons that you raised. But if the Hulk's a superhero, he's a superhero and Bruce Banner's not. Um, and that, that, that makes it really tough to say they're one and the same, right? That there's this identity relationship. Um, even if, you know, you're doing the whole, you know, Leibniz's lot, time T, one of them is green and mm -hmm. a time T2, one of them's mm -hmm. not and so forth. You got this, this problem of this thing that's superhero, not superhero, superhero, not superhero. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, that doesn't seem to jibe, mm -hmm. um, with our intuitions. If, if what our intuitions are also telling us is that they're the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, I suspect this is true. Of um, you know, of, of plenty of them, right? That mm -hmm. um, they sort of lapse in and out of superhero stuff as they move. As they change form. I mean, just, yeah. just think of like the X Men. There's there are all sorts of them that change form, mm -hmm. ch change physical appearance in various ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so then next week we're moving on to free will, um, and we're going to talk about. You know, some of these characters that seem to be mind controlled in various ways. You know, mm -hmm. so Black Widow. To some degree, before she was black, well, not just to some degree, you know, before she was Black Widow, socially conditioned to be an assassin. Mm -hmm. Or um, we're going to talk about Bucky Barnes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, the Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then and just to go back to Hulk again, uh, that that person um, likely doesn't have any free will, right? It's just pure Hulk smash. It's you just, yeah. it's like a reflex. You throw a rocket at his head, he ducks. <laughs> you put him into green. Smash. Because he's being portrayed as animalistic. Yeah. Right. And, and then also as if animals don't have yeah, full agency or something like that. Right. Well, like our dog does because she's evil and she exerts the evil. <laughs> but, but I don't know that our other dog does. Well, you know.
you know, I think, well, you know how I think, I think animals have more agency than we ordinarily are inclined to say. Yeah, yeah. But But it still still seems to be kind of an open question as to whether mm -hmm. some of these characters, when they're in their super compelled state... Right. By yep. hypothesis, have free will. Yeah. So we're even not, if, the, if the analogy between animals isn't all that apt. Right. We're not going to focus so much on the classic determinism debate, but I had them read Patricia Churchland, who thinks we should shift the conversation to how much control we have. You know mm-hmm. that there are various forms of control yeah. that one exhibits. So, like Bucky Barnes doesn't exhibit any. Right. He just seems like a a programmed machine. Yeah. Yeah. At least when he's you know. At least early in his narrative. Yeah, yeah. He's analogous to somebody who maybe some years earlier in a story would have been hypnotized and controlled by a mad scientist who can get in his head and so forth. Okay. Well, yep. So that's that's kind of a rough outline. We also talked about artificial intelligence, but that discussion is probably too too complex. Uh, Maybe deserves its own episode. Yeah. And and we did, um, I thought we did an episode on Ultron. Maybe I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. Well, we either did one or we're doing one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, yeah, yeah, AI is um, its own thing. Well, it, it sounds like a cool class. I, I wish I hadn't been teaching a different class at the exact same time. <laughs> oh, thanks. In a, in a different part of the state. Yeah, but, um, yeah nice. Okay, right. What are we liking this week? Well, the new season of The White Lotus came out. Yeah, boy, I love that show. Yeah, it's set in Sicily this time. It's un- unclear uh, what issues it's going to explore. You've read some stuff, but maybe we'll keep yeah, it quiet. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just keep it to ourselves, right? So the first um, episode aired, we got introduced to the characters. Um, it, you know, the, the last season was so great, it's hard to imagine this will be as good. And yet... It's off Great to so a, at least as good yeah. a start, right? So I'm, I'm wondering, mm. is there going to be any character as good as, say, Armand? But, um, he won an Emmy, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it looks like it's going to be awesome. So that, um, we're still watching um, Better Call Saul. We're just going to say that every time for the rest of time, I think. Yeah, I suspect by the next episode we will have wrapped it up. Um, we mentioned last time that we just started watching The Watcher, and which is a hoot. And now Watch we've it. we finished it. Um, it's a good Halloween, good good Halloween fair. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was great. Um, loads of fun. So, you know, we're watching it, and then we're thinking like, oh, this isn't all that scary, but they do some other stuff with it that ends up being great, and then it kind of gets back to being scary, mm, and it's fun. Um, all the loose ends from the beginning that I wondered if they were ever going to tie up, um, they did. They they you know, they looped back around. Um, so yeah, I highly um, recommend it. Uh, great cast and everything. And we just started watching the Midnight Club, um, which is a, a Mike Flanagan. And we we were watching that on Halloween, and I don't know, we got maybe twenty minutes in, but there were so many trick or treaters that we'll have to come back to it. Um, but I just want to say, watch all the Mike Flanagan stuff yeah. that you can. And like we said earlier, we'll we'll do an episode on his stuff. I'm I'm rapidly becoming. Just a massive fan yeah, of me his too. work. Okay, right. Well, that's a wrap. Episode 69's in the can. And um, 
it's good to talk about superheroes. So thank you for listening. If um, you'd like to support this podcast, please go to our webpage. It's I think thereforeifan.com, all one word. Click on the link that says donate, and then you can become a Patreon sponsor. Um, any donation is appreciated, um, but as we always say, um, the more you donate, the more we appreciate you. Um, if you want to be a super silver elite um, club status member, just making this up, um, pledge, uh, you know, I don't know, $10,000 a month or more. Uh, we'll, we'll sort it out. We'll get you some swag, maybe a, a pin or a button or something. So um, in the meantime, um, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.